Hello and welcome to Money Life. This is Sucheta Tilal. This week, we're going to talk about the transformational change that's going to be brought about by the Atal Setu, or what all of us have known for the last 30 odd years as the Mumbai Trans Harbor Link. Believe it or not, it's 60 years since this link was actually proposed by someone called Wilbur Smith Associates. 60 years is a long time for something to happen. It tells you how much of advanced planning there was to make Mumbai a livable city. If things had happened at that time, Mumbai would have been different. Maybe property prices wouldn't have been so outrageously high. But this is the reality. We had a closed economy until 92. Things began to open up after that. And this report, proposed in 1963, was pulled out from the cobwebs, dusted down, and re-examined. But it took a long, long time, in fact, right until 12th February when the Prime Minister inaugurated it, for this dream to become a reality. Is it going to be a game changer for Maharashtra? 100% it is. In fact, it's going to be as much or bigger than the Mumbai-Pune Expressway. Yes, there is a comparison, and I'm going to talk about it, the Mumbai-Pune Expressway has had a big impact on Maharashtra. It was constructed by the Maharashtra Road State Road Development Corporation in 2002. And you have seen spectacular change after that in this belt. Now, some may argue that the Trans Harbour Link is not the only thing that's coming up. There are coastal roads, but if you ask me, that's only for cars in Mumbai, especially South Mumbai. Then there is a 701-kilometer Samruddhi Mahamark, which connects Mumbai and Nagpur. Nagpur is absolutely at the center of India. It's the second capital of Maharashtra. So some would argue that that would have a bigger impact. But according to me, industry coming up there is going to take much longer, and only the first phase has been inaugurated as yet. So the Nagpur corridor will certainly connect poorly served areas of Maharashtra, which are not well linked by road or rail, but the socio-economic forces and private enterprise, which will be triggered by Atal Setu, are at a different scale. Now, let's first start by examining the similarities between Atal Setu and the Mumbai-Pune Expressway. The expressway, highly ambitious, based on the German Autobahn, now, you have to look at it in context. Today, there are lots of expressways over the last 15, 20 years. So some of you may not even remember that there was a time when so-called national highways used to go through Indian villages, districts. And each time you're entering a district, there would be speed breakers before and after at every school to slow down traffic to a crawl. And it was called a national highway. Very few used to manage to avoid villages and districts because people felt they needed the connectivity. So the highway would pass through them. This Mumbai-Pune Expressway was going to bypass everything. It had underpasses and overbridges even for animals and people. It was barricaded on two sides. It was the first ever project. Nothing of this sort had been built before. It was over 94 kilometers. And it would never have got constructed the way it did if it wasn't for serious change. And believe it or not, when the government first proposed it in 96, it was in the standard way people expected that payments wouldn't happen, you would not be able to use high quality infrastructure, machinery. In fact, 
I have gone and seen the expressway when it was being built with these major machines, which at that time, four crores was a big number. The machines would lay down the cement concrete to create the concrete floor. The only bidder in 96 was Reliance Infrastructure. It had bid 3,200 crore for the project. It wanted 78 more concessions. The government decided it's not going to work out and said, doesn't matter, we will set up a new corporation, the MSRDC. What it did as a major action was to select R.C. Sinha as managing director. R.C. Sinha is a maverick bureaucrat with a reputation for thinking out of the box and getting things done. And to move the government to get things done is an enormous challenge, as you will see, in terms of what he had to do. In an interview to us, he told us how this happened. So, like I said, six lanes, 94.5 kilometers. The chief minister wanted it done in 30 months. Was it possible at that time? I mean, when you think about 60 years for Atal Setu, you can imagine how 30 months was like an unbelievable deadline. Frankly, we didn't believe it either. I was very skeptical when we were reporting about it. Susina so started by rewriting tender documents, concession agreements, the process of selecting contractors, the manner in which clearances would be given extremely fast. MSRDC, in fact, stuck its neck out and said contractors would be paid in five working days. If not, they would be paid penal interest of 15%. This was unheard of. All this, of course, was possible because Mr. Sinha enjoyed an excellent relationship with the transport minister, Nitin Gadkari. Yes, he was the state transport minister. Then he's the union transport minister now and has been building a lot of our highways. So it was his dynamism also that made a difference in ensuring that this project was completed in 2002. The big fact was against Reliance's bid of 3,200 crore, this was completed in 1,600 crore. Was it all hunky-dory? No, there were issues and I will talk about them. Let's now come to the Wilbur Smith report of 1963, which was pulled out in 1997. Even after 1997, even after having built the spectacular Mumbai Pune Expressway, believe it or not, it was the first ever people hadn't seen anything like this. Taxi drivers used to be scared of driving on it because they, I remember someone telling me, Shishe Jaisa Rasta hai. Doesn't look like it anymore, but it was that much of a, oh, wow, situation at that time. Yet for decades, nobody bothered with this. My personal view is that India's real estate lobby, which includes all our politicians, because all of them dabble in real estate, did not want the Trans Harbor Link to come up because it would connect the hinterland of Maharashtra, the entire coast with its beautiful beaches. That would be brought near, which means Mumbai's property prices would not have gone up because if in 20 minutes or 16 minutes you can cross these 22 kilometers across the sea, it is going to shrink the distance and people would have preferred to live at Alibagh or wherever else. So the real estate lobby did not want it. And they instead wanted to focus on Lower Perel, Bandra Kurla, Andheri, New Bombay, because they could keep hiking property prices and keep Mumbai linear and closed. So yes, change happened in Bombay. Lower Perel is a business district, not a blade of grass 
in all of it because all the mill lands and the trees were hacked down. Same in Bandrakurla. There's no facilities for parking or anything else. But this is what our politicians and the real estate lobby wanted. Again, similarities. The Anil Ambani group had bid for it in 2006. There were multiple attempts. They never set it. That time, the Ambani brothers were fighting. So it came to naught. Then revival attempts were made in 2011, 2013. The cost kept escalating in the meanwhile, and there were turf battles between MMRDA, which is the Mumbai Metropolitan Region, Regional Development Authority, and MSRDC. Finally, the state decided that, okay, 2018, after this government came in, and kudos to Devendra Fadnavis, he said in 2018 that MMRDA will construct it, the 22-kilometer longest sea bridge. They managed to get funding from Japan International Cooperation Agency. By then, the cost had zoomed. It was over 17,840 crores. Now, let's look at the concerns and challenges and the positives. So, like I said, Atul Setu, the longest sea bridge, 22 kilometers, 16.5 kilometers over the sea. There are 5.5 kilometers of viaducts. It's a marvel of modern engineering. However, like in all Indian projects, the entry and exit is not even thought about and planned simultaneously. So you hear people paying a 250 rupee toll already from, we are talking about February 12th to now, they come past Sivri, come to Wadala and are caught in a 15, 20 minute jam. And it is exactly the same at the other end, which is Sivri to Chirle. You reach Chirle, you need roads to connect up to. So everything is work in progress. Worldly Sivri connector is being built. Chirle to the expressway is being built. Chirle to the new Washi airport that's under construction being built. Could have been planned and executed simultaneously. But this is how we build infrastructure projects. It was exactly the same with the Mumbai-Pune Expressway. In fact, I had written an article in the Times of India at that time saying an expressway to nowhere because it was planned between Panvel and Dehu Road. Panvel was a nightmare. Washi was full of traffic. And at, from Dehu Road, there was hardly a decent road to connect you to Pune city, which was quite far off. So you go fast on these 94.5 kilometers, and then you come to the usual nightmarish jam. It has taken nearly 20 years for it to be slowly built. It's going to happen over here as well. Like I said earlier, private initiatives and socioeconomic changes happen in spite of government. People begin to build, people look at opportunities, and that's exactly what happened. Like I said, with the Mumbai Pune Expressway, they had to build roads that link to Hinjewadi and Pune City. The entire IT industry, because of the sh short time that it took from Bombay to Pune, saw this as an opportunity. It has lovely climate. So Pune became a hub. Now, Atal Setu's viability hinges on the government's ability to complete these connectors. That's going to happen gradually. Only then will this projected traffic of 40,000 cars in the first year happen. While there are plans for building Washi, Navi Mumbai, if you ask me, the big game changer is not going to be 
Washi, Navi Mumbai, or third Mumbai, which is planned there, because around Chile are SEZs, which are owned by Reliance Industries. The game changer is going to be the link to coastal Maharashtra. All the beautiful beaches that Maharashtra has, which are not easily connected, which takes hours. So the path-breaking infrastructure that is built like Mumbai Pune Expressway and Atul Setu, it triggers these changes because people wake up. And this is exactly what happened in Pune. Like I said, the IT industry came to Hinjewadi first, then Pune. There was a boom in educational institutions. This attracted students from all over India. Pune turned into a massive cosmopolitan city. In fact, there was a flurry of construction, housing, office space, industrial spaces, ancillary services, entertainment, restaurants, hotels, shopping malls. I mean, when the number of people increase, the size of the city increases, all this is business opportunities. So furious was the pace of change that 23 villages had to be included in Pune Municipal Corporation. And I have read that Pune now is the largest city in Maharashtra with 485 square meters, which is actually larger than Mumbai city, which is under the Mumbai Municipal Corporation. We're not including Washi and Meera, uh, Bandar and others. I'm talking about only Mumbai city as, in under, as under the Mumbai Municipal Corporation. This is what happens when there are large infrastructure projects, because people begin to look for leisure, entertainment, and start building, and that attracts more business and economic growth. Infrastructure development, of course, continues to lag. Pune is a traffic mess and constantly under construction. Pune Airport, despite the economic boom, is just too small for the city and its requirements today because the number of domestic and international travelers has shot up. It remains small, crowded, and the only hope they have is the Navi Mumbai airport. So people from Pune, Vashi, Nerul, Panvel all have been told, and of course the Bombay suburbs, that this is the Mecca that you wait for. You want to travel abroad. We're all waiting for the Navi Mumbai airport to come up. Same issue with the Atal Setu. Let's not dream about Navi Mumbai. It'll happen. It'll be useful. The airport is going to be beneficial, but a daily commute paying a toll at Washi as well as 250 at Atal Setu, I don't think people from Navi Mumbai are going to be using it as much. The real benefit, like I said, is coastal Maharashtra. Remember, Mumbai has already missed many opportunities to connect the spectacular coast that it has. An airport was supposed to be built at Sindhudurg. It has been built. There's one flight that goes there, an Alliance Air flight that too since 2018. While neighboring Goa, was smart enough to build an airport in the north at Mopa. This is the Manohar Parikar Airport. And it's taken away the traffic that should have come to Sindhudur. People prefer to travel to Goa, international travelers especially. So they have taken away the opportunity that should have been that of Maharashtra. The widening of the Mumbai-Goa Highway, the less said the better. It's stagnating since 2010. In fact, the Bombay High Court in 2022 said the pace of work to widen the highway was disappointing to say the least. This affects access to hundreds of kilometers of beaches from Mandwa to Sindhudurg, which 
desperate Mumbai cars want to get out on weekends. They're looking for holiday destinations. All they have is one Lonavla, which is overcrowded, a Materan, which is eco-sensitive, and a Mahableshwar, which is too far away. The demand is so high that after COVID, which is seen as the Hamptons of Bombay, very rich people having huge bungalows there, minute of ferry service, a Roro service was started, property prices in Alibag just shot through the roof. Now there are speedboats connecting, and that's why Alibag is the destination for rich people to build their bungalows and stay there. But why Alibag alone? You can keep going. And let's not forget that this is not only about holiday destinations and you know leisure tourism. A large number of people in Maharashtra are from the Konkan Belt, and they come to Bombay to find work. They're staying in small place, places, and they become visible to our politicians at Ganpati every year when they all go back to their villages because this is Maharashtra's biggest festival. And then they have a fleet of buses to take them there. These people are going to be beneficiaries if the state also wakes up and says, we're going to have public transport buses that go to Konkan with no toll. Why not? Why not subsidize them and say, you built a road, there will be no toll for public transport buses. That is the only thing that's going to bring people here and allow people to live comfortably across Chile and beyond Ulve, where beyond the SEZ, private enterprise will have an opportunity to build affordable housing and give a better quality of life for the people of Maharashtra. Atul Setu's completion has triggered an irreversible process of change. It's going to happen whether anyone wants it or not, because it's unstoppable. How this change happens, again, depends on the government. You could have rampant illegal construction and exploitation of land and a complete mess at the other end at Chile. You have done it with the mill lands in Mumbai instead of 33% being used for public utilities, not even 5% has been used. Bandra Kurla is another mess, shiny big buildings, not enough public infrastructure. In Lower Parel, they didn't even build a railway overbridge until people died in a crash a couple of years ago. So this is going to be the difference. Change is going to happen. Growth is going to happen. Whether it is planned, it is equitable, and it leads to a better quality of life depends on the government. This is yet another opportunity for the people of Maharashtra and the people of Mumbai to ensure that their political masters do what is good for people, put aside their own vested interest and self-interest, and for once do something that benefits people. And that would be planned development at the Chile end. And planned development that's going to benefit all of Maharashtra, especially the coastal region. If you agree, share this video and please talk to your elected representatives. It's their job to make your voice heard. Thank you so much. Do subscribe to Money Life.